Good evening on this February 23rd, 2019. I am Pastor Neil Wemus. I am a pastor at St. Paul Luther Church in Ida Grove, Iowa. This is a recording of the service, of a winter weather service, um, on account of the fact that we will not be having services uh, tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, according to the National Weather Service right now in both Omaha and Sioux Falls, uh, is that we will be having, we are under a blizzard warning from 6 o'clock tonight until 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. Uh, that means after the possibly up to 10 inches of snow have fallen today, uh, we are going to get up to 50 mile per hour winds tomorrow. And so... Uh, the National Weather Service has told everyone to not travel, and so to get make sure the word gets out quick enough that people do not go out unnecessarily, uh, we canceled when we did. Um, I know some people don't like it, but um, our concern is the safety of individuals of our congregation. So it is with that in mind, we are going to begin with the opening hymn. Um, which is, we are called to stand together. We are called to stand together with the saints of ages past, with the patriarchs and prophets in the faith they once held fast. Promises and hopes they treasured, now we find fulfilled at last. Those whom Jesus called apostles journeyed with him side by side, heard his teaching, felt his power. Saw the way he lived and died. Then the news of resurrection they delivered far and wide. Through the intervening ages, round the world the gospel spread. Faithful heralds took the message, guided with a spirit led. So the body grew in stature, serving Christ the living head. Now in many tongues and cultures, Songs of celebration ring. Millions who confess our Savior, honor Him as Lord and King. And for courage, grace, and guidance, every day the prayers they bring. To each coming generation, tell the truth, persuade, explain. Till the time when time is ended, till the Savior comes again. Till 
the saints are all united under Christ's eternal reign. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The next hymn that we are to sing is hymn 831, How Shall They Hear Who Have Not Heard? How shall they hear who have not heard news of all who longed and came, nor known his reconciling word, nor learned to trust a Savior's name. To all the world, to every place, neighbors and friends and far off lands, preach the good news of saving grace. Go while the great commission stands. Whom shall I send who hears the call? Constant in prayer through toil and pain. Telling of one who died for all. To bring a lost world home again. Lord, here am I, your far impart to this poor, cold, self centered soul. Touch by my lips, my hands, my heart. And make a world for Christ my goal. Spirit of love within us move. Spirit of truth then power come down. So shall they hear and find and prove. Christ is their life, their joy, their crown. The first reading for the day is taken from Revelation chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation in your poverty. But you are rich, and the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. 
Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Acts chapter 1. In those days Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons was in all about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man bought a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle of, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language Akadema, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, in Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which, win of, which one of these two you have chosen to take the place of this ministry in apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. The gospel lesson for today, this day, is taken from Luke, the sixth chapter, which writes, But I say to you, to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others do, would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who who do good to you, what benefit is it that to you? For even sinners do the same. But if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The hymn of the day is, to, is the hymn, hymn 517 by All Your Saints in Warfare. By all your saints in warfare, for all your saints at rest. Your holy name, O Jesus, forevermore be blessed. For you have won the battle that they might wear the crown. And now they shine in glory, reflected from your throne. For one in place of Judas, the apostles sought God's choice. The law fell to Matthias, for whom we now rejoice. May we, like true apostles, your holy church defend. And not betray your calling, but serve you to the end. Then let us praise the Father, and worship God the Son, and sing to God the Spirit, eternal three in one. Till all the ransom number fall down before the throne, ascribing power.
power and glory and praise to God alone. The text for the sermon this day is taken from all of those readings you heard a little bit ago. Grace, peace, and mercy to you for God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The message of the Christian faith is a message that is of incredible bliss and beauty. Think about what it is that we as Christians believe, teach, and confess. It begins with the law. It begins with our condition before God. One could just look at our small catechism, Luther's small catechism. At the very beginning, it begins with the Ten Commandments. And there's a reason why Luther began with the Ten Commandments. But if you follow the Ten Commandments, you read at the very beginning, you shall have no other God before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So that commandment, when you read it, Luther argued that there are three uses of the law. So when you read that commandment, when you hear those words, it does one of three things to you. One, it is giving basic instructions to live. Two, and I'm going to come back to the second one. The third one is it's telling you how you are to be as a Christian. But I'm going to, the second use, which is the primary use of the law, it is the use of the law that happens every single time you read it, and that is the mirror. It shows your sin. It convicts you. Because when you hear, you shall have no other gods before me, our temptation right away is to go, well, <clears throat> hey, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've always worshipped the triune God. I worship, I worship Yahweh. I believe in Jesus. You know, I don't, I'm not Muslim. I'm not Buddhist or whatever. That's our temptation. But the thing is, the God, that's the big gods. That's the easy idols that we can point to. But the thing is, is if you look through Luther's catechism, Every single one of his commandments begin with these words. We should fear and love God so that. And the reason is, is because he understands that every single sin you ever commit comes down to an idolatry. There's a reason why the first commandment is the first commandment. Because every single commandment that you break ultimately stems from breaking the first one. So think about it. As you look at, you know, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Why do you say, oh geez, oh gosh, oh golly? You ask the question, why do you say that? Because you are not holding God to be God. Because if you hold held him to be God, you treat his name to be so sacred that you wouldn't even consider using it improperly. Use it for anything other than pray, praise and to spread his name and to speak of his word or for proclamation. The fact that we can use it shows that we are we do not hold him above all things. We belittle him when we do that. 
Or remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Whenever we have missed worship, and I'm talking about for reasons other than medical reasons or weather like we have right now. You know, the snow's coming down pretty good outside right now. Other than situations like that, you know, when we come up, we don't come to church, we don't go to worship, or maybe we do go to church. We hear the word of God preached to us, and we go out and act like we never heard anything. That is dis that why did why do we do this? Why did we miss? The reason you missed is ultimately your idol. That is your false god. You know, the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. One of the things that I've become more and more, I've been thinking about this more and more. The fourth commandment, Luther understood this to, yes, apply to our biological parents. But many of us, you know, we're out of our parents' house. And, or, you know, our parents may not be alive. Not to bring that up, I know that's hard. I don't mean to say that, um, I don't want to be um, insensitive with that statement, but that's the reality. But, so, the, so does that mean that the fourth commandment no longer applies to us? No. Luther understood that the fourth commandment applies to the government. It applies to any institution that has an authority over us. Now, if you're self-employed, then you have no authority. You don't have an employer. So your authority, the only authority is your government. And that's the thing that we hate. We hate the government. I mean, how many times I see people, I've seen so many posts that is it that state that the government in and of itself is evil. Even though the Bible does not speak that way. Even though the Bible has cases where you have David who was placed as king by God. As was Saul, as was the other kings. Now these kings became corrupted and there's some other side issues there. But government in and of itself is not a bad thing. We even get this in Romans where Paul calls them God's servant. Now, this is not, we are not, if, they if the government tells us to do something that's contrary to God's law, we are to obey God rather than men. But the but government in and of itself is not evil. But we think this. Or we don't like it. We want to rebel against it. And the reason is, is because government authority is ultimately a reminder of something we hate. And it goes back to that first commandment. The most groundbreaking thing about the first commandment that we absolutely hate is that the first commandment says, you shall have no other God before me. We hate that commandment. Our sinful nature hates it. And the reason is, is because we want to be God. And nothing reminds us more that we are not God than an authority outside of us. And so, I mean, every commandment you read is ultimately convicting us, convicting of us of our sin. It's showing that we are poor, miserable sinners. And, and so you get to the close of the commandments. And you read the words from God himself straight out of scripture saying that he will condemn those, he'll punish those who break his commandments. And according to the law, so if we stand just on the, just starting, this is the law. 
The law says you are a sinner. The law shows how wretched of a sinner you are. And the law says that the consequence of your sin is, is death and damnation. We deserve the word H-E double hockey sticks. Hell. That is the consequence of our sin. That is our destiny. But see, that's why Luther starts with the commandments. To show our condition. To show where we stand before God. Which is why we then turn to the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's why Luther, the second, the second chief part of the catechism is the, is the creed. And the creed it's boiling down to the first articles telling you that out of no merit or worthiness in me, God gives me food, clothing, shelter, all those good things. God blesses us with incredible physical, earthly gifts. But the second article tells us that God purchased and won you, a lost and condemned creature. Not with silver or gold, because all the silver and the gold in the world would not be enough to redeem you. Because that is how far lost we are. There is no possessions, no money, nothing that could have done it. The only thing that could redeem us is the holy, innocent suffering and death of our Lord Jesus. The gospel says that Jesus when God looked on us in our poor, pitiful estate, he did not choose the easy part. Instead, he sent his son. While we were still sinners, God shows his love for us in that he sends his son from the heavenly realms to suffer, to come and be born into a family of poverty, to grow up, to be rejected, to be hated, to be eventually beaten, tortured, crucified, died, and buried. And by so doing, on that moment, he who knew no sin became sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God. The gospel is, is that when you stood convicted, when you stood guilty, Jesus came and said, the guilt I will take the consequences of this, that guilt. When we say that Jesus forgives us our debts, as we sometimes say in some translation of the Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us our debts. We're not, it's, think about this. If you owe somebody $20, let's say, and that person forgives you that debt, does that mean that that $20 reappeared into that person's pocket? No. What it means is that the, the burden of the debt has been lifted from you and placed upon the person whom you owe. We are indebted to God on account of our sin. And when we say when Jesus died on the cross, when he forgave us, he, took, he absorbed the debt that we created. He absorbed it unto himself. It suffered the fullness of its consequences. He was literally damned.
Now, you're probably sitting there listening to this like, wow, this is, you know, this is just the pure gospel. This is what the gospel is. And he did this. I mean, he did all this free as a gift. We don't have to. He doesn't wait to see if we could, if we could be good enough to get this. He doesn't say, you know, he doesn't make all these demands as to how we get this grace. He gives it to it freely. You know, you know, I've heard many people, there are so many people that if you were to ask them, are you saved, when you die, will, will you go to heaven? Will you be saved? And the answer for so many is, well, I hope so. As a Christian, we should never be able to, we should never say hope, I hope so. If somebody asked that this is our answer, we could say is, yeah, I am. Jesus died on the cross for me. I am his child. Of course I am saved. Of course eternity is my, in my destination. Well, today, the Saturday, today, February 23rd, is a commemoration of St. Polycarp. Tomorrow, February 24th, is the commemoration of St. Matthias. Now, Matthias, you heard about him in our epistle lesson. Matthias was a man who witnessed everything that Jesus did. He witnessed the gospel. He, he heard the law preached from Jesus. He witnessed the gospel. He saw Jesus risen from the dead after he had been crucified, died, and buried. And so Matthias, the only thing we really know about him from Scripture is that he was chosen to replace Judas, who betrayed Jesus. And But what we know outside of Scripture is that Matthias went to the grave. I mean, he was stoned to death rather than deny that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's significant because he was one of those people that if anybody that if anyone knew that Jesus did not physically rise from the dead, Matthias was one of those people that would know for a fact whether or not it happened. And yet Matthias willingly let himself be stoned to death rather than deny it. Now it's possible he was crazy and he was willing to suffer excruciating death. For the sake of a something he knew was a lie. But for all the apostles to do it, it's hard to get that many crazy people. Then, there's Polycarp. Now, Polycarp was a student of the apostle John. He is from Smyrna. And he's very likely amongst the recipients of that reading from Revelation we heard a little bit ago. And the story of Polycarp is that he was betrayed and he was brought to trial. And, and here are some excerpts from the record of Polycarp's martyrdom. It says, For Polycarp waited to be betrayed, as also the Lord had done, but we too, that we too might become his imitators, not thinking of ourselves alone, but also of our neighbors. 
For it is the mark of true and steadfast love, not to wish that oneself may be saved alone, but also the breath, all the brethren also. I want you to pause for a second here. This is captured why Matthias suffered and died like he did. This is why we're going to get Polycarp, what happened to him, why he's doing this. It's because, listen, the message that I just talked about, what the gospel is. One of the, when Jesus was asked, was pressed, what are the two greatest commandments? He gave an answer. What was the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Right? And he said the second greatest commandment is like it. That you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Because you love yourself, you know, because you love, if you love God and you love yourself, you want to know the gospel. You want to receive the blessings of it. You live in the same world as I do. You live in the same difficult world as I do. <laughs> like me, you probably wish that we could, you could go out and enjoy the day. Kind of tired of all this wintry stuff. But we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we desire salvation for ourselves on account of Christ, then we are to desire it for others. And how can they believe unless somebody has spoken to them? Unless the word has been proclaimed to them. See, Matthias, out of love of God and of his neighbor, went, suffered martyrdom that others may know the gospel. And Polycarp, in the stories I'm about to read, as I'm reading through, did similarly. He says, Therefore, when he brought forward the proconsul, he was brought forward, the proconsul asked him if he were Polycarp. And when he admitted it, he tried to persuade him to deny, say, to deny, saying, Respect your age, and so forth, as they are accustomed to say. Swear by the genius of Caesar, Repent, say, away with the atheists. But Polycarp with a stern countenance looked on all the crowd of lawless heathen in the arena, and waving his hand at them, he groaned and looked up to heaven and said, Away with the atheists. When the proconsul pressed him and said, Take the oath, and I let you go. Revile Christ. Polycarp said, For eighty and six years have I been his servant, and he has done me no wrong. And how can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Notice this is an 86-year-old man. But anyways, the proconsul said, I have wild beasts. I will deliver, to you, deliver you to them unless you repent. And he said, call for them. For repentance from better to worse is not allowed us. But it is good to change from evil to righteousness. He said again to him, I will cause you to be consumed by fire if you despise the beasts unless you repent. But Polycarp said, You threatened with the fire that burns for a time and is quickly quenched, for you do not know the fire which awaits the wicked in the judgment to come and in everlasting punishment. But why are you waiting? Come, do what you will. Immediately, therefore, he was fastened to the instruments which had been prepared for the fire. But when they were going to nail him, as well he said, 
Leave me thus, for he who gives me power to endure the fire will grant me to remain the flames unmoved, even without the security you will give by the nails. So they did not nail him, but bound him and put his hands behind him, and was bound, but put his hand behind, hands behind him, and he was bound as a noble ram of a great flock for an oblation, a whole burnt offering made ready and acceptable to God. And he looked up to heaven and said, O Lord God, Almighty Father of thy beloved and blessed child, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received full knowledge of thee, the God of angels and powers, and of all creation, of the whole family of the righteous who live before thee. I bless thee that thou hast granted me this day and hour, that I may share among the number of the martyrs in the cup of thy Christ, for the resurrection to everlasting life, both the soul and body and the immortality of the Holy Spirit. And may I today be received among them before thee as a rich and acceptable sacrifice as thou, the God who, does, who lies not and is truth, has prepared beforehand and shown forth and fulfilled. For this reason I also praise thee for all things. I bless thee, I glorify thee through the everlasting and heavenly high priest, Jesus Christ, thy beloved child, through whom be glory to thee with him and the Holy Spirit, both now and for the ages that are to come. Amen. At length the lawless men, seeing that his body could not be consumed by the fire, commanded an ex executioner to go up and stab him with a dagger. And when he had did this, there came out a dove and much blood, so that the fire was quenched, and all the crowd marveled that there was such a difference between the unbelievers and the elect. And of the elect was he indeed one, the wonderful martyr Polycarp, who in our days was an apostolic and prophetic teacher, bishop of the Catholic Church in Smyrna, for every word which he uttered from his mouth both was fulfilled and will be fulfilled. I know that was quite a bit of reading that I just went through. But this is the great faith. And by the way, it says Catholic. Think universal, not Roman Catholic. Uh, but Polycarp, like Matthias, went to their grave. They, they were willing to excruci suffer excruciating death rather than deny Christ. And they made it certain to it that when they were dying, that they were able to bear witness to Christ. Stephen, in the book of Acts, did this very same thing. He bared witness to the gospel in the face of death. This is to love your neighbor as yourself. To know that you may face death in this world, but the fires, the pains of this world are but temporary. And the bliss that is on the other side is beyond measure. So we who've received this gospel, who've received the grace of God, how could we not also be witnesses of the gospel? How could we not also proclaim the same message to a world that needs to hear it? I know it's not easy. We just I just read in the news 
that there was an individual in Minneapolis that got fined for telling about his witnessing, evangelizing to some individuals in the Mall of America. Now there's some more, there's still more to come out on the story. Maybe it'll turn out to be different, but right now that's what it looks like happened. But even on smaller scales, we realize that people are going to say, ah, you're just a Bible thumper. You're a Jesus freak. They'll come up with all sorts of reasons. They'll come up with all sorts of insults and criticisms and give you all sorts of reasons to not be bold in your faith. And the thing is, yes, it ultimately amounts to, the reason we don't, amounts to that first commandment. That we are loving something else more than God. And we're loving something other than our neighbor as ourselves. So may our prayer be that God would give us the strength to love as he has called us to love. May our prayer be that God opens up our eyes and our hearts and our minds to opportunities to be witnesses of this gospel. We are recipients, therefore we are witnesses. May we proclaim it, no matter what the consequences may be, and may God give us the strength to do so. May God give us wisdom in the words that we profess, making sure that it is the gospel that offends and not us. And may he and remember that in those moments where the opportunity is there, and for whatever reason we cave in and we don't take it, for those moments where we fail to love our neighbor as ourselves, fail to love God above all things, we turn again and again to that throne of grace and remember that he forgives us for every bit of it. Forgiveness is not an excuse to sin, but it's a comfort. It's a refuge for when we do. So may we be his witness. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you the one true faith and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us, in peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon, with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and all for all who travel, especially in this blizzard weather, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphan, and for all those in prison, that we may be open hearts and minds to serve those who are in need. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy.
for the sick and dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord, Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Almighty God, you chose your servant Matthias to be numbered among the twelve. Grant that your church, ever preserved from false teachers, may be taught and guided by faithful and true pastors. Lord, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O God, the maker of heaven and earth, you gave boldness to confess Jesus Christ as King and Savior and steadfastness to die for the faith to your venerable servant, the holy and gentle Polycarp. Grant us grace to follow his example in sharing the cup of Christ's suffering so that we may also share in his glorious resurrection. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen. We conclude with the hymn, 644, The Church's One Foundation. The Church's One Foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life he died. Elect from every nation, yet one o'er all the earth, a charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food. And to one hope she presses with every grace and due. Though if the scornful wonder the world sees her oppressed by schisms rent asunder by heresies distressed. Yet saints their watch are keeping, their cry goes up how long. And soon the night of weeping shall be the mourner's song. Through toil and tribulation, 
dead to mort of She waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Till with the vision glorious her longing eyes are blessed, and the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. Yet she on earth has union with God the three in one, and mistakes we communion with those whose rest is one. O blessed heavenly chorus, Lord, save us by your grace, that we, like saints before us, may see you face to face. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. I pray that this is a blessing to you, and I hope that next week for Transfiguration Sunday, we will be able to have services as normal, and the weather will start to cooperate. Until then, be safe, and um, God's blessings to you. Amen.